Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sans Pants Radio. Why is my Patronus just a sad little frog man? Welcome to another episode of Movie Maintenance, where some films just need pitching. I'm Gabe. I'm Handsome Tom. I'm Sean. And today we're looking at My Wizarding World Pitch. So just to clarify for a bit of context, this is a patron-requested pitch. What we got requested was a movie about a war between wizards and muggles. And naturally, you were attracted to that. No, not really, because it was just very—it was just very clearly specified that it was me who had to pitch it, <laughs> and like, okay, yeah, just yeah. ruin the illusion where we've we've given it to you because you're the best suited. And no, no, it's just no, it was just—it was specified in the tweet that it was. So, like, honestly, but okay. So, really, I I kind of grappled with this at first because I sort of thought. You know, I kind of came out of Potter Month and I was like, I didn't have to pitch a Harry Potter film because I kind of hate Harry Potter after Cursed Child. Yeah. And that was kind but of... not after Fantastic Beasts, though. Yeah, see, I don't really consider that Harry Potter because it was... Oh, but come on, mate. It's like a there. good spin-off, it was its own thing. It's still it's in no, the I universe, don't... though. Anyway. Did yeah. it not reignite the, uh, a little bit? It's the HP... Mm, really. CU. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it can so I, much. Can I... All right, all right. What if it was a film universe? Therefore, it's the HPFU. <laughs> I like it slightly more. No, to be honest, like, and I've said this in past episodes, I really don't actually hate Harry Potter at all. I think I'm just I think I'm just tired of it. I think I just left it in childhood a bit and I'm sort of sick of hearing about it. Sure. But anyway, so I sort of gave it some thought and I was like, Muggle and Wizard War is just kind of inherently not a great idea because as a as a story. Because like the wizards would just win. Because wizards are so in every single way. No, I see. So hang on, hang on, hang on. Wizards are so in every way superior to muggles. Really they are. And that got me thinking. <laughs> They're not, though. But they... Okay. There so are ways got, you can balance it out, yeah. though. Like how? Nuclear <laughs> weapons. Yeah. Uh, incendio charm. Everyone dies then. No, you just blow up the... Nu- you just in- incinerate the nuclear weapon. Mm, would that work? And can I do, say do a fucking vanishing on. spell on the, on the fallout. What I'd be like, I'd be like, hey, <laughs> hey, wizards, check this out. What's this? It's an iPhone. Unlock it. Uh, Aloha more. It doesn't work because it's a phone, dickheads. Wizards. It's not how you win a war. No, but there's a bomb in there. There's a bomb in the phone and it blows up. Yeah. Yeah. Also, they don't know how to use pens. You you either incinerate. They don't know how to use pens. You incinerate the They don't know how. Or you freeze it. They have like freezing charms. If you saw a nuclear bomb falling, the wizards would literally just laugh, point one wand at the sky, freeze it, and then dispose of it later, and then wipe all the muggles' minds. It would be that simple. Maybe that's what we want them to do. So, no, look, the only way. They don't have pens. (laughs) The only way. They don't have pens, Gabe. (laughs) <laughs> they have quick quotes quills, Tom. They have pens that write themselves. Yeah, well, they're not. They, they don't write to, what comes out of your head. They don't know how to use borrows, do they? But, well, I suppose that is the sword on which 
the reign of wizardry will fall is the biro. You're not going to yep. beat them with a biro, Tom. You're not going to beat the biro is mightier than the sword. Okay, all the ones. So, sorry, um, Gabe. <laughs> that's all right. So with this, I started thinking about it, and honestly, I kind of I was thinking about it how to approach it, and I was like, how would a muggle who wanted to get a wizard or wanted to destroy wizards or hurt wizards go about it? And I sort of was like giving it some more thought, and as I did. I looked at the title for the for the recent Plumbing the Death Star episode. How dare wizards? And the more I thought about it, the more righteously angry I got on behalf of muggles. Oh, Jesus, Gabe, righteously angry. This could be nasty. And I came up with a, what's really not, it's not a war film. It's a thriller. It doesn't have a title, but it's- Leave it with me. We'll come up with one. It's quite different to, I think, what the person who requested it had in mind. But this is my take on what a war between wizards and muggles would look like. Okay. So, is it called World War Woo? <laughs> it's not not World called War that. Wiz? <laughs> World War Wiz. World War Mug. The start of an internet address. <laughs> what is it? World War Woo. www. That's the website address for the Wizarding War. What about a gun? Just shoot a wizard. Yeah, you know, just just bear with me, mate. Well, you know, that you might, challenge us at the start. Be, mate. Yeah, that might be in this. Okay. All right. So All right. again, I did think about how would you hurt a wizard if you had no magical powers and they were superior Cancer. to you in every way. I reckon they probably have a spell for that or a potion for that. How which fucking I'm awful into, people. But that, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, okay. Very right, much. All right, all right, okay. All right. all right. So, so this is this story is set about 20 years after the end of Harry Potter. The so reason, when Cursed Child said It's after Cursed Child. But the reason for it is I didn't really want the events of Harry Potter or Cursed Child to really have much to do with this apart from the tangential or contextualizing it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But Harry Potter's not mentioned once in the film. He doesn't appear. He's just, he's not in the film. It's a completely different story. Good. It's the Rogue One of Harry Potter, if if you will. So it'll be you know, better could than... Be taking... Don't. Don't. You know how this It'll ends. be real. You know how this ends, it'll mate? be... I will enjoy it. It takes place. Um, so it could take place even around the same time as Cursed Child, really, if you wanted to. Because oh. it's sort of like taking place parallel in sort of a different part of the world. Are they stealing the plans for the time turner? Uh, they're not doing that at all. <laughs> but is also, it, Is it in London? Yes. Okay. But, and you'll see for reasons I get into that setting it earlier than Harry Potter wouldn't really make sense. It needs that context of those events having happened, but I don't really want them to in any way directly affect the characters well, of this Because muggles film. were affected by the... By the Death Eaters towards the end of the Harry Potter yeah, franchise. Yes, and that's what I'm going to get into yeah. in a big okay. way. Okay, so we open in the Ministry of Magic. We're following, with a tracking shot, a Ministry official. He's finishing up at his desk, smiles at a waving photo of his probably dead mum, sends a couple of memos flying off, and then he uses his wand to turn out all the lights. And, you know, just a casual guy finishing up at work and whistling. He walks through the Ministry, and it's very much kind of as we imagine the Ministry is, very kind of whimsical and fun and crazy and sort of a post-Voldemort, post-Fudge, post-Scrimgemore world. There's things flying everywhere, the occasional magical creature enchanted teapot scurrying past. And he sort of, you know, smiles at all of it, enjoying it. Just another day in his office, but this guy likes his life. So he leaves the ministry and he makes his way through the streets of London, past muggle bars and nightclubs, drunk people on the streets, and we sort of get a sense of the side of London that the Harry Potter films didn't really show us, the rougher, edgier, dodgier side of London. People are kind of heckling him, giving him a hard time, but he ignores it. I mean, after all, he's a wizard. Why would he be bothered by any of this? He turns down a narrow side street, taking a shortcut. He keeps walking, and he's so oblivious that he doesn't notice a dark figure step out of the shadows, lift a gun, and shoot him in the back of the head. There's your gun. Well, fuck you, Sean, for spoiling that twist. <laughs> you fuck. So, over the next few scenes, we start to get an idea of the current state of affairs at this time in, I guess, the Harry Potter universe. The Wizarding World has been at peace for years. Every now and then there's been an issue, but generally speaking, the 20 years since the fall of Voldemort, nothing truly terrible has happened, give or take a cursed child. 
However, <laughs> a bit of a shadow has fallen over the ministry in recent weeks. And while they're keeping this from the general public, a succession of murders have happened around London, leaving wizards and only wizards dead. Now, the wizarding world within its own world has had serial killers before, but there's one very key difference here. These wizards have been killed by gunshots, meaning the killer is almost certainly a muggle. Or and a the killer pretending to be a muggle. Perhaps. <laughs> and the killer is very active. In the last four weeks, seven wizards have been killed. Around Jack London. the Muggle. <laughs> that, that's the title of the film. Actually, <laughs> actually no, that's... That's the... That's, okay. You'll see shortly why that's really the title of the film. Jack okay. the Muggle. Okay. So the ministry is at a loss. Auras have been deployed and the murders have been kept quiet. But there's a real issue here. Because there are ways for wizards to track spells or look undercover in their own ranks, but a muggle bullet, they have no idea how to begin looking into that. And more than that, they have a very limited registry of muggles who are aware of the existence of wizards. Because, you know, parents are muggle-born wizards, yep. family members, things like I've, that. I've always wanted how that works. Yeah, so they've got a list, yep. and all of them have been vetted. And all of them have alibis, all of them weren't there at the time of the murders. So presumably it's a muggle who knows about wizards but it's not one they seem to know, know about. Could it not just be like a random person shooting someone randomly? Though? But they're, no, all they're all wizards. Everyone who's died is a wizard. Sorry, yep, gotcha. Yeah. So into all of this, we meet our protagonist. Her name is Abigail Stone. She's in her late 20s, been trained to be an aura for years. She's tough. She's no nonsense. She's quiet and very smart. She's very, very perceptive. But Abigail is a little bit... Oh, she's played by Felicity Jones. <laughs> but Abigail is a little bit different to your run-of-the-mill witch who dreams of being a hero. She's trained to be an aura, but she was muggle-born and she was raised in a home for troubled youth before being taken to Hogwarts. And as a child, all she wanted was to be a policewoman, to right the wrongs that she perceived were committed against her. And in an extremely rare instance that caused a lot of rumours among her peers, after leaving Hogwarts, Abigail went straight into police training in the muggle world. Huh. Okay. But it didn't last because after word reached the ministry that Abigail was using magic to get ahead, she was swiftly removed from there. Now, technically, she wasn't breaking any laws, but there are unspoken rules regarding wizards using magic to get ahead in the muggle world because it has happened here and there. And so Abigail was urged, very strongly urged, to use her keen intellect and sense of justice to become an aura instead. And she complied because she didn't really have any choice. It was a very much like, I won't force you, but... You get nothing And she was never really entirely okay with this. And it always kind of feels like because everybody knows about this and the fact that she tried to join the muggle world, she's kind of looked down upon and a little bit downtrodden. But see, now the ministry need her because a muggle is killing wizards and Abigail is the only person with any qualification whatsoever to investigate it. <laughs> I like it. Do they bring her in and they're like, you know, we, we want you to help us. And she's like, wait, I won't help you. I rebel. Wait, 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 wait. She's briefed by Thelonious Nichols, a high-ranking officer in the Department of Magical Law Enforcement, who is basically Idris Elba from Zootopia and can probably be, <laughs> be played Idris by Elba. Idris Elba. Good, yeah. good. So at first, Abigail isn't Hang thrilled. on, hang on. Gabe, have you written a love letter to me? Is this Rogue One meets Zootopia with wizards? It. It's actually sort of exactly that. You've got a role for Diego coming up soon or something? Oh, I'm so It's happy. sort of exactly that. I'm so happy. Just for you, mate. Yeah, I'm actually the patron who requested this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I always suspected... So, like, oh yeah, Abigail's not thrilled. After all, like, wasn't it using magical powers in the muggle world that fucked her over in the first place? But Nichols makes this very clear. This is make or break for her. She's insubordinate. She's not well-liked. Perhaps she rebels. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. <laughs> if she pulls this off... Now, if she successfully pulls this off, she's on the fast track to becoming an aura. If not, well, a black mark against her name is almost guaranteed. So Abigail, as per usual, does not see much choice. 
So she agrees, and she knows exactly where to start. After all, in her time with the Muggle police, Abigail learned a lot, and some of what she learned is that not every cop does things by the book. After all, there are ter- terrible criminals getting off on technicalities. Sometimes it's worth bending the rules to ensure those technicalities don't exist. She's basically the wizard version of Luther. Yeah. Also and one Elba. such policeman in the muggle world, who did this a lot, is a man called Frank Evans. So Abigail pays Frank a visit at his grimy little apartment. She asks him for a favour. Frank is surprised, a little bit confused, but Abigail tells him this is something that needs to be handled quietly. She gives him some of the bullets found in the wizard's skulls. Is Frank, uh, what's his name, from The Wire and The Affair? And he plays one of the seals in Final Dominic Nemo. West. Dominic West. Yeah, why not? Great. So he, yeah, she gives him the bullets from the wizard's skulls and asks if he, if he can get a trace. And Frank, he, he sort of figures out part of it and tells her no killer would be using a registered firearm. You realise that. And Abigail just laughs as if Frank thinks he should be looking for anything that's registered. She promises a favour in return and leaves him to his work. And so while she waits, she looks into the case files of the murdered wizards. Nothing links them. No connection to the still existent pure blood societies. A couple of these actually fought actively against Voldemort years ago. And what's more, none of these wizards seem to have ever met each other. Different families, different blood backgrounds, some pure blood, some half blood, some muggle-born. If this was a muggle with a grudge, there should be a decent link to explaining how they knew about all these different wizards. So soon enough, Frank gets back to her with a lead. The bullets can be traced to several different firearms, all illegal, all purchased on the black market. And he has managed to dig up one name through his contacts. Jack Baker. Ergo Jack the Muggle. <laughs> it's perfect. So, Mate. Oh, wow. Okay, now good, good. So or is Abigail- he Jack the Baker? No, the, the muggle. muggle. Jack the Muggle. Jack the Baker bracket, who happens to be a Muggle bracket. All right, let's go with that. All right. Sure thing. In, like, fancy, spiky Harry Potter slash Fantastic sure. Beast text. No, no, it's 24 font. Oh, yeah, even better. <laughs> so Abigail does some digging, and she tracks down Jack Baker to his favorite pub. He's young, he's about her age, and he's played by Jack O'Connell, okay, yeah. cook from Skins. Yeah. Hey, not good. Yeah, yeah good. He's yeah. a good actor. Um, and so she kind of she goes in the pub, you know, acts normal, goes undercover, and she's watching him from a table in the corner, and he seems normal. He's drinking with mates, he's chatting up with girls, he's having a good time. But she starts noticing something a bit off. Jack is buying pints, but he's not drinking them. Mm-hmm. He's raising them to his lips, pretending to sip. But then sort of like passing them off to people, saying, oh, I got this for you, I got this for you, then buying another one. And while he's stumbling occasionally and making a show of being a bit of a drunk lad, his eyes are very alert. And to Abigail, he looks like somebody putting on a show. So when Jack leaves, Abigail follows at a distance. She casts a quick invisibility charm on herself and follows. And watching, as they get further and further away from the pub, it becomes very clear that Jack isn't drunk at all. He's very in control. And very vigilant. So Abigail trails him in the distance from, to a rundown house on the outskirts of town. She sneaks in after him. In a darkened room, she watches from the shadows as Jack meets a grizzled older man. And they're very slowly joined by other young people. Men and women. All around that same age. About 20, 25 or so. The meeting's swift. It's curt. It's clandestine. They're all carrying firearms and they swap them all. The older man gives them files, sends them on their way. Remember, he says, not too close together. They will have noticed, but the less this looks like a pattern the better. One by one they leave. Abigail watches in horror and fascination. They're almost all gone, but one person remains behind. Jack. What is it? The older man asks. Jack seems kind of troubled. Something's wrong, he says. I did everything you said, and yet something feels off. The older man kind of watches, his expression measured. I was at the pub tonight. Put on the right front, Jack says, but someone was watching me. Oh. 
Don't you dare kill Felicity Jones in the first 20 minutes of this film or I'll punch From her, her corner, face. Abigail shifts slightly on edge. I think they followed me, Jack says. A young woman. He walks over to the table where the firearms are kept. Halfway there, she disappeared, Jack says, picking up one of the guns. So I paid attention. With that, he lifts the gun and shoots at her. <gasps> don't. Don't you. Don't. The tranquilizer dart hits her in the chest. <sighs> she gasps. Reaches for her wand. Her invisibility flickers and she collapses as the blurred visions of Jack and the old man tower over her. So who's the old man? You'll Not, find out. No, like the actor was. Oh, um. <laughs> you know, this is what makes me tick. Oh, ah. Uh... Martin Freeman's got a nice silver fox look. No, I want to be scarier than Martin Freeman. Um, he's not old. He's more like late middle age, like 50, 60 ish. Um,. Is he like William Defoe or something like that? Yeah, that kind of, very much a William Defoe type. I would say the guy plays Filch, but he plays Filch. Okay, so, so that caliber actor. Yeah, that okay, kind of yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm literally just going through Game of Thrones, being like, sort of like a Nick Nolte type. Because what about Nick Nolte the guy who plays Filch? Um, Nick Nolte's old as fuck and just the guy looks... who plays uh, Balon Greyjoy. Yeah, someone like him. Oh yeah, I don't know the actor's name. Yeah, he'll be. He'll oh do. no, you actually no. Yeah. Fuck, got it, got it. Michael McElhatton, who plays Bruce Bolton in Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. The greatest character Ooh. in Game of Thrones. Better than old Stannis Dickface over here. That's directed at you, Sean. I know, because I'm looking at you. <laughs> Fuck you for a start, Gabe. Continue. Thanks, guys. So, as Abigail passes out, we see flashes and images. We see Abigail as a police cadet. We see her in the grim grey home for wayward children fighting another girl. We see her alone at Hogwarts. Slowly she comes to. What house was she in? Ravenclaw. Yeah, thought yeah. so. Slowly she comes to. She's tied to a chair in a dark room. Jack and the older man kind of tower over her still. Quickly, Abigail assesses. She's got no wand. She goes to mutter a nonverbal spell, but the older man says, I wouldn't bother. The dart we hit you with was laced with formula. Slows your magic. In isolation, without a tranquilizer, it won't slow your mind down much. There's about as much point in you using your spells as there is trying to get loose of those ropes. You're going to kill me? Abigail asks. The older man kneels. Eventually. Yes. Delivered with the Bruce Bolton. Oh, Oh, yeah. Perfect. But for now, we need to know some things. We searched you. You're from the ministry. So I suggest you tell us what they know. The more information we get, the longer you live. Abigail spits in his face. Torture me all you like, she says. I won't say a word. The older man smiles and stands. We're not going to torture you, he says. We're not monsters. So how are you going to convince me? Abigail asks. We're going to talk to you, he says. And leaves the room. (laughs) Abigail's alone with Jack, who pulls over a chair and sits, watching her. So you're a witch, he says. And what gave it away, Abigail asks. So you're so arrogant, Jack says. What, you thought I wouldn't notice you in that pub? Because you're so much better than us dumb, what do you call us, muggles? Tell me, how many of my kind have you met, Abigail asks. Depends, he says. Does it count as meeting them when I'm putting them down? Ooh. Why, Abigail says. What is this, some kind of religious cult? Anti-witchcraft? What, you think we're God's abominations? I'm not religious, Jack says. None of us are. So why, Abigail says, what, you're psychopaths? Jack smiles sadly. No, he says. We're just doing our best to survive and to make a difference. What are you talking about, Abigail says. Listen, whatever that man has told you, (laughs) you don't understand, Jack replies. This isn't a cult. He hasn't brainwashed me. I sought him out. We all did. Why, she asks. Jack kind of looks at her for a long time thinking, and then he asks... Have you wizards ever had a true atrocity happen? Something really evil on a huge scale. Voldemort, Abigail says. And Grindelwald, Jack says. 
What happened to your society once they were defeated? We healed, Abigail says. We learned and we got better. And dark times, Jack says. The reign of Voldemort? Sure, Abigail replies, confused. And what was Voldemort's philosophy, Jack asks. He hated muggles, Abigail says. Jack smiles. So, he made the wizarding world hell. What do you think being a muggle was like in that time? Do you know how many of us he killed? Abigail's silent. She, she doesn't. Unexplained deaths everywhere, Jack says. My father was murdered by a death eater in my house when I was seven years old, in front of my mother and me. I hid under the bed, and Aura stopped him before he got to mum. And then you know what he did? He wiped her memory, removed every memory of my dad and his death. The chance to heal that you talked about, she never got that. None of us did. But I remembered, even as I spent years trying to convince mum that dad was killed by a wizard, even as she took me to doctors to figure out where I was getting these ideas from, even as she sat there all night and cried but couldn't explain why. Oh, Gabe. Gabe, it's like the most twisted thing you've ever done. And she knew that something was missing, but she couldn't remember what that something was until eventually they committed her because part of her had been carved out and I had to endure and know what that part was while never able to make it clear to her. And you think I was the only one? Thousands of muggles robbed of the memories of their loved ones. Some wizards were better than others. Let them keep the memories without knowing how they died. But do you think that was really any better? Losing a loved one is the worst thing you can go through and lacking the, lacking the how? You can't heal without that. You can't come to terms with it. You can modify a memory, but the human brain knows something is wrong. And after years, that knowledge can drive you just about crazy. Thousands of dead muggles. Thousands more just destroyed. A huge crime against humanity robbed from our collective memory. In the years since Voldemort, crime and suicide rates have skyrocketed. And meanwhile, wizards continue to live in peace and harmony, patting themselves on the back for moving on from the worst thing that ever happens, all the while ignoring what they did to maintain their comfortable little status quo. Now you tell me, how has your ministry reacted to these unexplained deaths? Abigail can barely reply. Cover them up, Jack says, for the sake of peace. Do you mean as in the explained deaths of the wizards? Yes. Yeah, cool. It's different, Abigail says. How? You choose to kill, Abigail says. You're no better than Voldemort. We just did what had to be done. You don't understand. This is a war. Voldemort wasn't the first time this happened. Neither was Grindelwald. For years, you have robbed us of our understanding of the world. And more. Our worst illnesses could be cured by simple... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot... We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Spells. World hunger solved in a week. All the things that weaken us ended. But no. And why? Because you think we can't handle it? Because you want to keep your peaceful little society? Or because, despite all your protestations to the contrary, you think you're better than us? Silence. Abigail stares. She doesn't have an answer. Jack gets up and walks out, leaving her alone with her thoughts. Days pass. Jack visits every day to administer more serum. And they talk, but, but there's no torture, true to their word. Jack tells her how this is a movement designed to force wizards to reveal themselves. How it isn't about killing wizards. It's not about hating them. It's about ending what is, when all is said and done, a very big form of segregation. And Abigail, while she argues starts to accept they have a point. She didn't like or agree with their methods, but as she listens to Jack talk about his mother, she realizes that he's not evil. He's a misguided young man who's angry and hurt and has been wronged. But Abigail's not stupid. She's very aware that once they have the information they need, they will kill her. And so she has to plan. So she pays attention. In the meantime, she continues talking to Jack. And as they open up to each other, we slowly start to feel a growing understanding and connection between these two lost, confused people. But there is growing impatience because Abigail refuses continuously to sell out the ministry. The older man, whose name is Robert, starts to suggest that maybe torture is necessary. After all, the ministry will be looking for her and sooner or later they will find her. Jack convinces Robert not to, but we have a growing sense that sooner or later something has to give. And finally, one day, Abigail identifies what she was looking for. And alone in her cell, she whispers, Accio Wand. <laughs> because she suspects, correctly, that Robert never used this serum long enough to know it would work long term. Over days, her body's built up a resistance. And within moments, her wand is in her hand, through the bars of the cell. She frees herself, stands, whispers something and a silvery Patronus shoots out the end of her wand. She raises it and blasts the door away as, with a series of deafening cracks, auras and ministry officials apparate everywhere, throughout the house. The takeover is swift, if limited. Robert and Jack are taken to custody, but they're the only people in the house. Abigail avoids Jack's eyes as he's silently dragged away. She can't help but feel conflicted about this. Nichols quickly singles her out, but there's no time for rest. The minister wants to see her. Hermione Granger herself. <laughs> so much for being separate but not connected, Gabe. I have my reasons. Lies. Okay. Is, so, it, is it the actor from Cursed Child? Well, it wanna... can be. Yeah, sure. It, doesn't really, it depends on what continuity you want to go with. but Or it could be an older uh, Emma Watson. They have a, I don't like ageifying people. No. Ageifying is really shit. So just go with the actor from the... I don't really play. want to associate it with Cursed Child much. I mean, canonically it has to have happened, but... I mean, it doesn't you, matter. You literally... It can be her. Okay. Right. It can be her. I don't care. I do. Because I hate Cursed Child, but I care more about Cursed Child. All right, so who's an older version of... 
Is it what's her name? It's the only person I can but, think of is the character the woman who plays Mary from Sherlock. Could be. No, let's go with let's go with Cursed Child Woman. Okay. So in it's irrelevant. Huge, I've derailed your story yeah, completely. So right. I'm going to shut up now. In a huge office, we meet the adult Hermione. Tough, smart, driven, and with more than a little McGonagall about her, she intimidates just about everyone. But Abigail, as in awe of Hermione she's always been, doesn't really care anymore. Very simply, very to the point, she relates what happens, and Hermione listens with obvious concern. Because in interrogating Robert, they learnt a few things. Killing wizards was not enough for him. He still has free apostles everywhere, and they're working on something. Something bigger that could threaten an already fragile peace. Abigail just snorts. Peace? Does it count as peace when one side is essentially conditioned into it? Whether or not you fought against Voldemort, wizards have been subjugating muggles for centuries, robbing them of so much, and for what? Why? Maybe Robert has a point. Maybe it's time we came out in the open. Hermione stares at her for a long time, and then quietly tells her aides and Nichols to leave. Once they're alone, Hermione sighs. She suddenly looks very tired. And then what? She says. Have you ever stopped and thought about just how unfair our very existence is? Two species, physiologically and mentally identical, except some of us are born with the most incredible abilities and others just aren't. In the most unjust cases, those of us who are, are born into the families of those of us who can't. During the war, I wiped my parents' memories to protect them. Then I restored them, and free of school, free to apparate around for tea whenever I wanted, I saw just how much what I am hurt them. Not because they thought I was wrong, because they thought they were. Is your heart over there, Sean? How cruel. Mine's aching. <clears throat> how terrible to be a muggle and have to know that wizards exist. To watch me pull out my wand and in seconds do jobs that take them hours. And they try to hide it and love me anyway. But eventually I had to stop looking at them because I couldn't stand the resentment anymore. To glimpse this incredible world and know that through no fault of your own, you can never be a part of it. It must be hell. If we went public, if we did that, that resentment would be global. And we, human as we are, would react in kind. The prejudices of Voldemort would return. And sooner or later, someone will point out the horrible truth that I have devoted my life to hiding. That we are, simply put, superior to muggles. Abigail, there she is... She is secret, like, white supremacist. No, she's not. <laughs> no, she's actually... No, she's just practical. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst kind of... But the best. Abigail, Hermione says, there is no perfect solution. But exposure would destroy us all. Robert? He's a squib. That's how he knew about the wizards. He's bitter. He's angry. But he's angry with very persuasive rhetoric. Don't get caught up in it. You can't decide for them. Abigail says, you can't decide what they have a right to know. It is the hardest choice of our kind, Hermione says. It is an ugly and unfair one. But wizards are forced into secrecy so that muggles can live freely and happily. It may not be clean, but it is what is best. Do you understand? Abigail looks at her and then nods. So, she's released, told to go home and rest. She's done good work. But Abigail can't sleep. So in the dead of the night, she returns to the Department of Law Enforcement. She tells the guard she's here for some follow-up questions, and she enters Jack's cell. They stare at each other for a long time. Well, Jack says, are you here to get the truth out of me? Yes, Abigail says, and flicks her wand. 
his bonds fall off. Hmm. Abigail. An emergency alarm calls Hermione from home in the early hours of the morning. Guards everywhere are stupefied, and Jack and Abigail are gone. Hermione is furious. She rebels. But she's more angry at herself for not realising. She puts out the alarm. A renegade muggle now has a witch on his side. Jack takes Abigail to a safe house in London. She asks him what now, and he explains. A bomb in the ministry is the plan. Without law and order, with the ministry blown up and revealed to muggles, something will have to be done. And they can't obliviate everyone. Without a ministry, they couldn't coordinate that. So wizards will have to come forward peacefully. Abigail's shaken, but Jack takes her hand. It's a war, he says. A war we can end tonight with your help. Wizards won't rule over us ever again. You're not okay, are you, Sean? Jack the Muggle's such a fuckwit. Are you on the wizard side? Oh, I don't know what side I'm on, but just... I think that's the point, Sean. I think, what a fucker. I think the side is humanity. Continue, Gav. And Abigail, with Jack's and Hermione's words echoing through her head, is so conflicted. But as she thinks back to her thwarted dreams of being a policewoman, the good she could have done in the muggle world, and she thinks about Jack's mother weeping over a loss she can't remember, she makes her choice. Tonight, she will get them into the ministry. Because when a witch knows who she is, <laughs> the choice is no choice at all. Yeah, I, you know, I actually almost put that in there. <laughs> but then I didn't because I didn't want to fuck wit to ruin the moment. <laughs> Thomas. That's what I've... No, oh, fair. I've, my full name's been <laughs> yeah. used. It's been pulled out. Um, it's safe word, so I better shut up. <laughs> Jack contacts the others and they gather in silence. Then together they move through the dark streets, Abigail in the lead approaching the ministry. There's no sound. They don't say anything. Just steely, silent determination. Soon they near the street of the ministry. The old phone booth is ahead. They pick up speed. Abigail takes a deep breath, closes her eyes, and raises her wand. Crack. Crack, crack. The auras surround them. <gasps> Swiftly, the attackers are bound and incapacitated. The bombs are incendioed into nothing. <gasps> Abigail stands and watches as Jack is forced to his knees, screaming as he is, screaming at her for betraying him, for betraying all of them. Nichols removes his wand. Good work, he tells Abigail. <gasps> then points at Jack. Obliviate him. Jack's eyes go wide. He stares at Abigail. She stares back. You, you can't take my memory, Jack says. Don't. You haven't left us any choice, Nichols replies. Abigail, finish it. With a trembling hand, Abigail raises her wand and points it at Jack. Nobody moves. We can hear Abigail's heart louder and louder as she looks into the face of a man she's about to force to live his worst fear. Now, Nichols barks. Abigail looks up at him and lifts her wand just an inch higher. But Abigail, for all her determination, is surrounded by the best auras in the country. She's hit by stunning spells from every direction before she can do anything. Later that day, Nichols meets with Hermione. What do we do? He asks. She did her job. She stopped them. But Hermione says nothing. She just looks at Nichols, and Nichols immediately knows what she is suggesting. He just shakes his head, looking horrified. Nobody can be sure how compromised she is, Hermione says. The stunt she pulled wasn't sanctioned. We can't be sure if she planned it or if she had a change of heart. And she has shown signs of volatility for years. There is no other option. Abigail, still magically bound, 
is taken to a chamber deep in the Department of Mysteries, a chamber containing something we've never seen before, a huge black monolith and nothing else. The chamber is almost unnaturally silent. And as Abigail sees it, a terror beyond anything we have ever seen fills her eyes and she just screams. She just screams and screams and struggles as they force her to her knees in front of this monolith. One of them raises their wands and steps back and the monolith starts to glow and shake. And Abigail just screams. One year later. (laughs) Uh, um, I'm really stressed. I'm really sweaty as well. Um, It's a sunny London day. We follow from behind a young couple leaving their favourite pub. Go up the street, talking, smiling, holding hands. It's Jack and Abigail. In montage, we see their life together. They work office jobs. Jack probably works at a pub. They go to the pub afterwards with friends, have a nice little apartment, go to movies. They cook together, all without any sign of magic. One day, Jack's putting on a movie at home and he can't find Abigail. He calls for her and he hears nothing. Walks through the house and he opens the door of their room. She's sitting on the bed crying. Jack looks at her for a long time and says, What's wrong? Abigail just looks at him. I don't know. <sighs> don't. <laughs> don't you dare. The end. Oh, you fucking bastard. My hand's actually shaking. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Way to fuck up Harry Potter for me, you piece of shit. Oh, oh my God. Uh, my, um, like checking my heartbeat towards the end there. I just, and, oh. Can I say, Hermione Granger is my favourite character in that film. I thought you were going to kill her. When you brought her in, I tried to catch your eye and give you a bit of a signal that Hermione's fucking dead. No, I didn't think so. Nah, I wanted to make the hard decision. That's exactly it. I kind of thought, you know, it's it's in Cursed Child when Hermione becomes prime uh, minister of magic. It's such a fan servicey decision because, of course, she does. But think about the choices she would have to make. Mm. I mean, this idea of like wizards and muggles coexisting—that would be something that every minister would have to grapple with. And if there are if there are purely, I imagine, just I don't know if this is canon or not, but I feel like Hermione Granger would be the first Muggle-born prime minister. Yeah, probably. And I, I imagine that for all. You know, pure blood wizards, or even, or even half. No, probably they've all been pure bloods. I reckon. Yeah. And I reckon they've all, um, they, they've all just gone. Ah, it, it's easy because they're muggles and we're wizards. Yeah. But for somebody who's actually lived there, you've basically made a, made a Cold War film. Yeah. Like a painful, soul searching. That would win an Oscar mm. if it was set during the Cold War. It's kind of like what The Dark Knight is to superhero films. It is. You made the. You've just pitched the Dark Knight of Harry Potter. <laughs> I will take it. Holy shit! Which see, and now, so I haven't seen what this actress is like in the Cursed Child, but I almost want to cast like Judy Dench as like. That's. Old I thought that Emma Watson. But the problem was that because originally I said like maybe thirty she's, years she's or later, old. but then the reason I made it twenty years was because I was like, well, of course, this whole generation would be kids who lost parents to as, Voldemort. As soon- yeah. As soon as you said they're all 20 to 25, I was like, they're all kids who lost their parents when Voldemort yeah. and the Death Eaters were killing people. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, I've never ever thought of the ramification. Because this is the thing, right? So the Holocaust, they remember because they did it. Yeah. Like, so they will always remember. They'll always be able to carry that atrocity and move forward. But imagine committing an atrocity and then not being able to learn 
not commit, come to but, terms but with be it. involved in an atrocity and not be able to come to terms with it because, oh my God, fucking hell. Wizards are fucked, man. Wizards are absolutely fucked. And it was only the more I like developed this, the more I realized how fucking horrible I, the whole what's, practice what you've, is. What you've done really well is it would be very easy to just paint all the wizards as like the, what Jack views. And, you, and for a while I'm like, fuck yeah, I hate wizards. But then as soon as she sits down and talks to Hermione and Hermione explains it, you go, oh my God, it makes so much sense. Yeah, it's like, but what do you do? Because There's because no easy solution. We've already proven as human beings that we struggle when things are more superior to us. Absolutely. And see, oh, wow. and like what I almost, I, I didn't want to go this far, but I almost had a bit where Hermione spoke about Hitler and was like, there's a man who built an ideology on the idea that some people are better than others with no tangible evidence yeah. because, they, because it just wasn't true because everyone was the same. But Voldemort happens, did that as well. Yeah, but what happens if one kind does have something over the other kind? Yeah. A significant something over the other kind. Like just the un, the horrible unfairness of it. And like it just... The, the the whole thing where it's like, yeah, wizards and muggles, it's like, and you know, like in, in Fantastic Beasts, I don't think it's made into the film, but there's a bit in the trailers where like Jacob's like, oh, I want to be a wizard. And it's like, oh, funny and cute and everything because that's what we all say. But it's like, imagine actually living with that, living mm, in a yeah. world where wizards exist and you're looking at them, <laughs> knowing they're there on a day-to-day basis and thinking, why the fuck can't I? Why can't I? We read Harry Potter as kids and we want our Hogwarts letter. And even though we know it's not true, we sit there and think, oh man, I would love to go to Hogwarts. I would love to do that. I want that so much. We, we ache for it when we're children. Imagine living that in an actual real context. Imagine what I want to know is how to, how to like, how to Muggleborn or no, no, not Muggleborn. So like Seamus Finnegan, Seamus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think he's Muggleborn. No, no, he's, oh, no, he's, half he's and up. Dad's a Muggle. Yeah. Mom's a witch. Bit of a surprise when he found out. So my question there is, does dad not know that mum's a witch? No, but he would, wouldn't he? Well, uh, would he though? Because it's a bit of, so is, does Seamus Finnegan's existence ruin his family's marriage? Oh, but that's Maybe that's why he becomes such a cunt in the later books. Because <laughs> I imagine he goes home, he, his mum leaves his dad and he ends up going home living in dad's like share flat. And that's why he's a little bit racist. Yeah. <laughs> we, had, we I had this conversation once with someone and I don't know if it was you guys or someone else where we decided that uh, Seamus would have voted leave at Brexit. <laughs> I, think you, I think you tweeted that yeah. and I was like, yeah, look fair. Yeah. Uh, fucking hell. Um no, but how does oh. it work if they get married? Well, so so I, I imagine like so Snape's parents. I imagine they knew that because he was half. Well, yeah, half blood prince. And and um, Petunias, Petunias, and Lily's mum and dad. I think half. Also, they, they, wait, is she is she Muggleborn? Is she half? Uh, Lily was uh, Muggleborn. Okay. But they they did that, did that whole thing where like Petunia as a kid. Like I mean, okay, yeah, Petunia no, wanted to be no a, a witch. Wonder Petunia is the way she is. Mm. Like she wrote to Dumbledore. There you go. She that's case that. in point. She yeah. grew up. With What's, a witch, that's that's no basically wonder. that's basically J.K. Rowling excusing Petunia. You yeah. actually get a justification. But also, it's like Petunia's no wonder so she's awful. like that, and like and Vernon, like Vernon's just a cunt. But no wonder Petunia would go for someone like mm. that because it's somebody who is so prejudiced and backwards that he validates her views. Mm. Because no, I mean, you know, Vernon, Vernon would have voted leave in Brexit as well. You but- just added a lot more depth to the Dursleys for me, mate. Dudley's still just a fuckhead. Yeah, he's a no, he shakes Harry's hand at the end. It's really nice. I'd forgotten about that. Oh, yeah. that's right. When they're leaving. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's like, nice does he say yeah, anything yeah. to him? No. Yeah, no, he does. Yeah, he's good luck, doesn't yeah. he? Or good luck, little brother? No, 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 no it's, it's not, not like, like that. that far, no, but no, it's no I wish it was. That would be a really, really nice <laughs> moment where he's like, and he leaves Harry a cup of tea at the end. <laughs> that's right. On the doorstep and things like that. That's right. What? Leaves him a cup of tea. Petunia, yeah. Petunia has that nice redemptive moment where she yeah, actually she says goodbye to him. Because it's the only living moment. I wish that had been in the films because that's a nice moment. 
Yeah, they just made them caricatures in the films. Really Vernon's a caricature, but oh, 100%. Because he doesn't get a redemption. No, no, not at all. He's just but a piece he never, of shit. He's just a through. shit person. Yeah. yeah, man. Oh, Gabe. Anyway, that's um, that's that's my Wizarding World pitch, I guys. don't have any words, mate. I'm just rattled. You know when I said I'm so excited you've made Rogue One meet Zootopia in the Wizarding World? I'm not excited anymore. Ah, uh, look, I, I thought you'd feel that way by the end. It should be, mate, because it's an actual good film, not Rogue One. Mate, I've copped enough emotional abuse. To <laughs> there's a, I might cry. And I kind of thought about, because there's this whole thing in, um, in The Wheel of Time, there's this whole thing with the witches. Oh, you've Wheel ruined it now. No, 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 no like just, just this time. is where... There's I thought a, you meant he ruined Wheel of Time for you. Like, damn, I'm not going to read 14 well, books now. It's the, it's, it's can I just say, I can't commit to that many books. It's something I kind of got that out aren't of. aren't that good. I was thinking about with Harry Potter because like in Wheel of Time, you know, there's the female witches and they have, um, you know, they have the ability to touch the true source, which is essentially magic, but things can happen to them and they can be stilled, which means they lose that ability. And in the book, it talks about how that's worse than death. Like they would rather die than that because they have access to this wonderful, amazing, incredible world and these abilities and it makes them feel so good, but they can lose it. And there is a risk of losing it, or it can be done to you, where somebody can steal you if somebody's powerful enough. And it's described as the absolute worst thing that happens, where other 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 Aes Sedai don't want anything to do with you if you've been stilled, because it's just too disturbing. And I kind of thought, like, with this, with the end there, it's like, obviously the idea of the monolith is it takes her magic away. Yeah. And then she has to go out in the world and live that way, and she's obliviated, she can't remember it. But imagine that. You lose almost everything, everything. you are, yeah. and you can't remember it. And then what if, because I know you've taken the magic away. Yeah, now Tom, that's done. Well, because it could it come back. Oh, could she? Could she become like an adult obscurus? Maybe. Man, so many questions, so much pain, so much owl. Anyway, on that note, I've been Cave. I've I've been Tom. I've been Sean. And um, if you have <laughs> any questions whatsoever, uh, email us in at sanspensradio at gmail dot com or. On Twitter, at Sanspence Radio, or our personal ones, I'm at Gobergmoser. I'm at Awkward Trade, but nothing matters anymore. And um, I'm at Sidekick of Dowie. See you next week, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
That's K-N-I-X dot com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.